Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My listeners, my brothers, my sisters, it's your host Fahad. You guys are tuning into the first episode of season two. And I know I've made you guys wait so long. And I'm not going to apologize for it, actually. I know that I've made you guys wait, but no one complained about having the quality of patience. So guys, if there's something so good to take from this, you guys have a lot more sabr than you actually thought. So yeah, as we're rolling things out, I thought, you know what? Bring back the former host, which I'm sure you guys are all familiar with, Jafar. I really, really do appreciate you taking the time out to, you know, light the spark for this new season. Yeah. How are you, how are you doing, Jafar? Walaikum salam, I'm so good. I'm doing good. You don't actually look like mm-hmm. pleased to do that episode. Uh, no, no, I'm more than happy to be here. More okay, than happy okay, to, okay, okay. Okay. to jump on and um, give my two cents when it's needed. I know, obviously, I haven't seen you as much over the past year because you got married and stuff like that. You know, like, um, mm. married man as such. And I thought people just tend to be a lot more busy than new lives and stuff like that. But then I realised, like, this guy's actually, like, very happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen this guy, like, like you're just, like, smiling. Yeah, it's, like a new, that, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new life, different to the Scarborough life I used to live before. So, alhamdulillah. But you prefer this life to now, isn't it? Oh, for sure, bro. Without a shadow of a doubt, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it life before is the real question. But yeah, because <laughs> uh, I lived with my brothers and that, my family, yeah. my parents and that, travelled abroad, so it was a bit more of a scabble, but alhamdulillah, everything's going well now. If they listen to this now, like your brothers and that, I don't think they're really going to like what oh, they, oh, they, Oh, they know. They know. <laughs> they're living it now. Fair so enough. yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah. I'll probably say one thing as well. So the way the layout or the way these episodes are going to be is that I'm basically going to be like the main host and stuff like that. Mahad's obviously was my co-host. He stepped down. I want to thank him for like all of the ideas that he came through and just having like a co-host there, you know, having like his insight, his wisdom really made things a lot easier to like record, especially on some episodes where I thought, you know what, I just cannot even carry this. And he was able to carry it as well for many, many of the episodes. So I really, really do appreciate Mel. I make things easy for him um, and grind him well. So yeah, man, you know, Jeff, when season one ended in December, I had a feeling you know, I was going to take a break because it was just long-winded because it was the first time I was doing this podcast and thing. Like, I never really realised, like, the kind of toll that it was taking. And I thought, you know what? I always knew I was going to return after Ramadan. I just didn't actually know when because people in March and during Ramadan, they started to ask, you know, when are you guys, like, pulling out the new episodes in season two? And I was like, I can't give a date. It's going to be after Ramadan. And then, obviously, people just started to message because I was just getting curious and stuff like that. And then even me, like, part of me was thinking, you know what? You know, when you leave things for too long, mm-hmm. people generate a lot less interest. There was a lot during last year where I put to the side because of this pod. So I was like, I need to get back to certain things, certain personal issues and attend to stuff like that because pff, your head's just going to be in disarray, man. But then I didn't anticipate how many messages, even like when you talk to me about like how like Socotras just reach people, like I never like truly realised that even with the messages, like you've got brothers, sisters saying that, they put their brothers on a podcast and stuff like that. And sometimes I'm just thinking, people still listen to this boring stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I don't know, like, I think even you were similar in it, where people just used to like, stop you guys in the street, man. Yeah, well, not much, but because there's a podcast, people don't necessarily know who you are in it. Yeah. Until you say, until like, maybe someone says Jaffa is quite a, a niche name. that You don't really hear many yeah. people call Jaffa in it. So maybe once ever or twice, someone says, oh, you're the guy from Socotra. And I was like, yeah, but... I guess the podcast for for the normal people in it. So 
Did you listen to season one? I did. I listened to quite a few episodes in season one, yeah. How do you think it went out? I think it went season, well. You know, I'm not here to... If you say it was average, if you say it, I'm not going to... No, I'm a harsh we're, critic. We're, we're, we're not going to scrap after. Don't no, I'm a harsh average. critic. Don't worry about it. Um, I think it went well, to be fair to you. After leaving Socotra, even when I was joining Socotra, to be fair, yeah. I wasn't a podcast listener. Other than your Joe Rogan's when you're bored at work and stuff like that. Yeah. So when I left Socotra, I didn't even listen to much podcasts in general. But obviously then I got in touch with you. Mm. And yeah, I listened to some of the episodes. They're pretty good. I think you do an amazing job of being a host because you talk more than I used to talk when I was hosting. I used to just ask questions and bring people that <laughs> love to talk. So you give quite a lot of insight into into stuff and you do a lot of research. So it is pretty good. I definitely believe you've taken it to the next level. It's lovely stuff. And I, I don't mind helping whenever, you know. Yeah, no, which I really actually do appreciate. Like when I told you, you have been on hand. So while I do appreciate that. Anytime, um, man. Um, uh, me, for me, generally, I'm just happy with the way season one went. And you know, the thing with rolling out a podcast is for me, it's like you want to make sure that the content is worth it. Like you look at since COVID basically hit in 2020, mm -hmm. everyone that has a home or has a room decided that, you know what, I need to buy a mic and start my own podcast. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when obviously we restarted Socotra, it became a thing where how do you get the Somali community to talk about things other than how much a guy should pay for my hair? Do you mm. get what I'm saying? Mm -mm -mm. Just weird, just like bland conversations on the no. TL and stuff like that. And I'm happy that certain episodes were able to spark that. Because I used to even get messages from people who would give literally like essays of like, not just criticisms, but just their feedback on things. Mm -hmm. Like things or perspectives that I didn't really like take into account myself. And I've always said this as well. People think that the listener is the person that gets the benefit the most from the episodes. It's actually the host. Well, I, as a host, you actually learn so much like, not only about yourself, but actually perspectives that you just didn't, wouldn't have thought about. And that's actually probably the main reason I actually enjoyed doing Socotra. It's just that difference. When obviously my Somali brothers and sisters are not fighting, it's actually quite nice to see just different opinions and just people just actually like, like the camaraderie, I'd probably say. Mm. Um, but yeah, we shot an episode. I think was it over a year? We shot two, but we shot... No, we shot three, but we shot one. Do you remember? It was basically reflecting on Ramadan and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously like, okay, so one year's gone by. Mm -hmm. And what's, what's the main thing that's changed for you? Because obviously I remember you were saying last year's Ramadan, or, yeah, like 2022, you were working from home, you were doing certain stuff with your pops and you kind of had like a routine. Yeah. Did yeah. anything significantly change this year? Uh... You were married actually, isn't it? During this, this is your year, first... yeah. this is my Ramadan, first Ramadan married, yeah. How was it actually? It's good, it's good. It's a bit more different because I, I moved away from a sunnah, uh, not too far, yeah, not too close. So, uh, traveling to do tarawih, uh, or pray tarawih, not lead, but to pray tarawih. He's, he's been a no, 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 no. <laughs> don't open that door. <laughs> I've never led before, but um, yeah, so to pray tarawih. And then traveling back, um, not not being able necessarily to do tahajjud as much. Because mm. uh, yeah, of work? Yeah, mainly because of work. But alhamdulillah, I did take some days off during Ramadan so I could uh, pray some tahajjuds uh, on the big nights and stuff like that. It was good. It was good, honestly. It's funny because I feel like Ramadan always comes at a time of need. And every year, it always comes. 
a time of need mm. similar to this year yeah and it's just you know keeping it and growing as much as you can after so i did pick up other things as i did say in the last pod i try my best to pick up one good thing whether it's praying uh, paying more charity reading more quran reading more books i did pick up um something and i've been trying my best to continue doing it so alhamdulillah uh, so far so good may allah allow us to reach the next ramadan do you think it was better than last year's ramadan how is it actually when you're obviously when you're married and you're actually because you're in the first year where you're getting to know your spouse yeah and then there's the fasting where obviously things are it's probably a lot less hectic for them you know it's you work in it both people work and stuff like that so it's you know it is it's not too difficult I used to have a foot in the mosque mostly because obviously my mom's away. Is it? Yeah, in Egypt and stuff. So prior, it was always, as I said in the beginning, a bit more scabble. You never used to make stuff yourself? I did. I did cook, but I used to get bored of cooking. I used to like, I get, you get a lot of juice during Ramadan cooking, but when it gets to like 20 days and stuff, you're like, ah, oh, I don't really want to cook anymore. I just, because they gave uh, a foot in the masajid and I was, me and no a lot of brothers in Tottenham, we get involved in that as well. So, as you actually cook food to send it to the masjid? No, so someone cooks food, they bring a big Dixie of food and then we, Baris, Baris obviously, um, and then we come and then we distribute it. So there's every, every, every Ramadan, there's like, for each day, there's a team. So mm. someone signs up to one team and then, you know, that day is yours. You come before for and you, you distribute the food to everyone, sit down, you eat, all of that stuff. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was a good Ramadan. Mm. I say Ramadan for me this year, it was just a lot more about, like, internalising. Do you not realise that, you know, before Ramadan, like, you can plan so much. You have a bunch of tasks that you want to do. You have a bunch of stuff that you want to get through. You want to say, oh, I'm going re- to memorise this much, or I'm going to read the Quran this amount of times, I'm going to go through this, I'm going to do this. But then it's like, when you do that, you're sort of being so repetitive where you're basically starting to just tick things off, like in a checklist, rather than just like being in the moment and just actually taking it in. You want to basically read the Quran, but like, what is that actually doing for you? Like, is your heart present or you just kind of like just ticking it off? Mm. That kind of makes sense. So for me, it was just really just like taking things in, not being too harsh on myself because there's been so many Ramadans where I say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But then instead of focusing on the things that I didn't do, I focused on the things I did do. And then it was like more or less carrying that over. And I've always felt like the most difficult thing with Ramadan is not actually the month itself. It's not the fasting. It's not the salah. It's not the tarawih and the tahajjud. It's crazy I'm saying this even when you're working a nine to five, but I don't know about you, but even when I was working, things were not as bad for me. The difficult thing is once you basically go through Ramadan, shawal comes, it's just really difficult for you to basically stay consistent. And you know, always that mark where some of the ulama used to say, like your sign of Ramadan being accepted is that you are basically trying to be the same person you was during that Ramadan. You know that if you've kind of fallen off, hang on a second, like what's really, really like going on. Mm. So for me, it was just like kind of making sure once Ramadan left, was I going to be in the same state doing things that the Salaf used to do? Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to accept Ramadan for the next six months. And then spend the six months after that asking Allah for Ramadan to be close. There was that certain things I was just internalizing, but I was even taking a holistic approach to stuff. Like, I don't know, do you eat a lot during Ramadan? No, well, no, not really. I'm trying to eat a lot less now. Innit? You know, you got work in the morning, for example. Uh, you want to have suhoor as well. 
So if I eat a lot, you can't really go taraweh. I don't. I don't think in general he's even good. People eat. Too, I think people eat too much of Ramadan. No, I, don't, I don't think. I don't think that's good because it's funny that people think that you know you can lose. Obviously, your intention isn't to lose weight, but you. That is that is yeah. an age old conversation. You lose weight during Ramadan, but like it's just common sense. If you're not in a calorie deficit, you're not going to lose weight. So if you're banging out three thousand calories for for <laughs> and having a snack and then sahur. Like you're going to end up gaining weight during Ramadan so it's better to just eat a small amount to some boost and stuff is all good it's tradition maybe in the first couple of days do you know how many times I had um, some boost it was a thing in my house the way our house functions is that stuff isn't eaten every single day it's it isn't some, or it is it isn't it's okay. some boost Sundays so the way my diet is and I've kind of told you is that normally or we're talking just Ramadan so I'm saying yeah no no no, no. normally I no see, because I, some I, families I see some boost, have... see some boost from Ramadan to Ramadan yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when your mom cooks your odd cat, like you're only getting yeah, that certain yeah. times of the year. Or like malawah. I don't know if who has a malawah on a normal malawah, day. I don't have malawah on a normally normal yeah, day. That's that's a that's a that's a, that's a luxury, bro. In this house, generally the way it is is you're eating even Ramadan. It was you're eating certain poultry, whether it's like fish, chicken, or whatever, and then it's like just veg. Yeah. Because that's my diet, or that's the way that my mom went on a diet, and she decided everyone's following me, and she's cooking one thing. If you're not doing that, then it's up to you. But that's the way it goes. Like mm-hmm. this whole base and bars of the charade. It's quick. It's like young, like time ago. Mm-hmm. And then it just didn't change during Ramadan, except the Sundays, Sambu Sundays. So it was that Sunday we would have Sambu and Malawah and stuff like that. But then kind of made me realize like people eat a lot during Ramadan. Yeah. And that definitely has a crazy effect because so much you shouldn't oil. Be eating, yeah, shouldn't be eating that much. Nutrition was something that I was thinking of a lot this year because like, why am I overweight? Not to fat shame anyone, but it's like, why? Like, why am I carrying all this extra weight? Mm. Like, I can feel it, like, in my knees. I can feel it when I'm going up the stairs. I'm telling yeah. you when I go up the stairs. Me and you both, mate. Nah, you're all right. Nah, bro, right. post-marriage is, is a serious thing, man. Yeah, I think there yeah, should yeah, be a pod about that. <laughs> post-marriage <laughs> after one year, like, some people stop, some people don't, but... Do you think it's the guy or do you think it's the woman's fault? Well, it's both, isn't it? You get married. Obviously, the guys that you shouldn't really be. No one can force food in your mouth. I feel like not. Yeah, obviously, I feel like it, your it changes, isn't it? Life changes, yeah. so you're at home more than you wouldn't be. More than like for me, for example, my house is majority boys and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was out most of the day. Not not obviously just going to the masjid, you know, playing football, being busy. Stuff like that. So you get married is a bit more different responsibilities and stuff like that. So you might be at home more. Than usual, especially maybe yeah. the first year, which I, which was amazing. I didn't mind that. I quite enjoyed that actually. You start to maybe become a bit more lazy or and stuff like that, which I didn't regret. It was amazing because the first year I ate whatever I wanted. I've lost and gained weight many times, so I thought to myself, "Don't not boundaries, but the word don't put like uh, restrictions yeah. on what you're gonna eat." And then a year later, I looked in the mirror and said, "Who is this, mate?" Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but alhamdulillah you weren't bad last year bro it wasn't bad but it was bad bro I know when it my knees hurt I've been injured for 8 months so hey, that's bad it didn't happen out of nowhere you know yeah, what I mean that's bad, that's bad. so yeah it, it, it's good it's good do you envy people not in a bad way but whenever you see people that go Saudi do you actually envy them yeah for sure when you're working from home and then you're seeing guys in Saudi yeah during Ramadan yeah because obviously I've been I've been Umrah before and it's one of the best experiences in the world. Been during Ramadan as well. So I know it's an amazing feeling. 
So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you want to be in the house of Allah where your iman is at the highest, knowing that when you're there in the haram, you want to go to the haram, read Quran, yeah. spend as much time collecting as much ajr as you can. So yeah, obviously, yeah, I'm jealous, yeah. It's crazy. I don't even envy no one. Is it? No. How it comes? I used to envy people. This was like the first Dalam that passed. That was the like only year where I didn't feel, you know, formal, what people say. Because like normally I'm on social media, either my mutuals or mutuals of mutuals go sending pictures and stuff like that. And the reason I didn't feel like I was missing out is because I remember being there last year, trying to basically chase that feeling when everyone was there. I don't know if I mentioned it on last year's episode on Dharamadan Reflections, but I just remember it literally took me until the 27th night of Ramadan to like internalize and be emotional. I just like get tears out of my eyes. Because imagine like you're trying to leave your city. You want to be happy. You're in Mecca and things have not changed. Like, do you know how crazy that is? And that was like the first time I realized that a city, a place, a country, is not actually going to bring contentment. It's not going to bring what I need because that's what I wanted, like peace. And it's crazy that I'm saying that about Mecca. Even that blessed place where the Messenger والسلام, like was exiled and even when he turned his back, he said, if it wasn't for these circumstances, I would never turn my back on Mecca. This is the same Mecca that I'm talking about. People would think I'm crazy, but then I remember this quote from Ibn Taymiyyah where he said something, I think it was along the lines of um, or like, what can my enemies do to me? My paradise and my garden, like my jannah, like is in my heart. If these guys were to throw me in prison, I can seclude myself in worship. I can do dhikr. I can remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If the people kill me, it's martyrdom. If I'm exiled from my land, I can be free to just scour the lands and, you know, look at the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the landscape. You know, I feel grateful to him. He wasn't lying, wallahi. Like, and he was someone who was thrown into prison again and again and again and again. That's how I always feel like we should be at. We shouldn't always be looking towards a place. Yeah, you know what? Even in the lands of the Muslims, like, it does make things easier for you. You know, you might be happier, but if you're not really fixing your heart and where you are, like, nowhere on this earth is really going to put you at peace and ease. When I started realizing that, I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm not going to envy anyone like you could be in whatever country you can be in whatever message you're in i could be in that place and i ain't gonna feel what you feel so there's no envy feeling there and i'd probably say like yeah this ramadan like this year was definitely a lot better than i'd probably say the last couple of years because the last couple of years was it was just that me chasing umrah me being in mecca medina and yeah you know what there are good moments and stuff like that but have you ever gotten to a point where your iman and like even though your iman might not have been as high as it is you just feel like Sakina and Rahma, even though you've got so many problems, you've got Allah by your side. You're not really like drowned in sins like you used to be. And you feel like, you know what? I can always maneuver, like I can always like walk two steps forward. So I didn't feel that feeling. So even if I was at Mecca and Medina for like how many months, I still would have felt that same, those same issues, like my heart was never really settled. So that's what I would always tell people. Don't think you're missing out when you see people snapping that they're in the Prophet's messages and stuff like that. Like, it isn't going to make you feel better looking at it, but even if you were there, how does that necessarily mean that you're going to feel good and you're going to feel that feeling? Yeah, you know, maybe your first Umrah, you can feel that, but if you take things for granted or if you don't really work on your heart, you can be invited. Allah can invite you to his house. But who said you're going to feel good about it? Who said you're going to feel that's those same feelings that you used to feel? Perhaps it is even a punishment that you don't even feel like the happiness that you used to feel. But yeah, um, the Ramadan that passed by was, I think it was nice. It was a nice Ramadan. But yeah, man, I know that was kind of deep, but... <laughs> you really went in there, bro. 
what are you looking forward to this year? This year? Yeah, like the rest of this year. Have you got any like sort of goals and stuff like that? I know you've kind of stepped, taking a backseat from Asuna and stuff like that. Are you working on any projects or um, trying to leave the country? Like what's, what's, what's I'm what's doing an Umrah project. Well, would you, I don't know if you call it a project, but this is this is the place, bro. As to plug bro, myself, bro, free yeah. advertisement, bro. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you for a forty percent discount. I'm not gonna ask you for that, bro. Free advertisement, that more, bro. That came about more. That came about more because there was in in the area that I live in, there wasn't necessarily a kind of a service. Yeah, there was. There might be some sort of a service, but more of a service where you can get it from brothers that you know that you can trust or you can ask questions. And you could just be transparent with, you know. What I mean, from literally step one to step, um, mm. the last step, I'll be transparent with you, kind of thing. So uh, we did start up our own Umrah company. I'm taking our first group of boys in October, inshallah. That's going to be thirty people. And yeah, we've done it all, all boys, because it's obviously it's the first one trial and error. Yeah. We've, we've attacked all corners, covered all bases. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you don't know what you're getting up to because it's the first time. I've got two brothers that live there. One lives in Mecca, one lives in Medina that are running the whole package with yeah. me. But even then, it's easier for me to turn around and have you by yourself and go through through L where I can just tell you this is what actually happened rather than you have your mum or your sister with you mm, yeah, when yeah. it's a bit more you know what I mean so the next one after that inshallah will be February, March somewhere around that time and depending on how well this one goes is when we'll see how it goes so if you do see a poster knocking about with my name on it I don't think there's a lot of other Jaffas out there but just make sure that because you know some some of these companies like they're Services that they advertise are not that's so you yeah, just gotta watch out yeah. for that. My, I don't know the way I work in life is transparency, and I, I feel like that's how I get the best reaction and honest uh, yeah, reactions yeah, yeah, out of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. So it's not me saying it to advertise it in any way, yeah. but it's me trying to be honest with people and say, This is what we're going to try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if everything works out from my part and the hotel tickets, whatever it is, part. This is when we'll have a successful Umrah. If something comes out of the norm, ultimately I am leading the group and I need to get the answers. But from the people or customers or people that are yeah. going Umrah, there needs to be that level of honesty and respect where I ain't gonna, I'm not trying to violate you. So let's just try to move forward as, as best as we can. Out of the 30 spots, mm-hmm. how many have you filled? Are, are there still... So I don't know by the time this comes out it's probably all done in it I don't know when this <laughs> when this podcast is going to be coming out but we've got quite a few people from North London yeah. um, that are coming so I don't know exactly how many spots are going to be left but yeah if if you do want to come do contact Sokotra I guess what else do we do contact but then you'll just forward them to me innit if I go through Fahad or if I go through Sokotra mm-hmm. is there a difference between the price well, if you got to ask Fahad, if Fahad's putting his own tax on it, then I can't do nothing about <laughs> So if you see a price fair on the enough. poster and a price that Fahad says, okay, has okay, nothing to do with enough. me, you know fair what I mean? Alright, fair enough. <laughs> nah, you've got to try and ask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, Allah. Nah, it's cool. Well, I may like grant success because I know there's a lot mm. of people that are doing, that get into entrepreneurship and doing their own thing as well. For me, it's probably not as massive as that, but... um. For me, I think honestly, what I this year, I've just been trying to make, it sounds very cliche, but just doing something, like making something of myself, if that makes sense. Like it's 2023, even though I've turned 26 
Wallahi, it sounds crazy to say this. 26 years but, young man, bro. But I feel like, I feel like for me... Nothing crazy about that. Nah, as in this one bad say next is you're probably going like, to pull me out on it. But for me, me personally, I feel like it's make or break. As At 26? In, the reason why I'm saying it is because I know the life that I've lived and I know that this year, there's things that I've basically put in place for me to do. Obviously, there's Allah's prioritized plan. I don't deny that what he has for me is greater than what I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. But there's things, there's milestones that I've put in place and it's like, if I've not reached it, I don't really anticipate much from my life, basically. Again, it sounds crazy. I can't explain it. But it's like, you know when you've lived a life and you're always giving yourself chances. I know there are like optimists like you that always like to see the passion and the khair and everything and stuff like that. But then for me, it's like when you give yourself a certain amount of chances in life that Allah's given you and you don't make use of it. For me, I look at it as if there's not much out for me, if that makes sense. Um, I was listening to a movie that spoke about fears. Actually, let me ask you. Everyone knows that their biggest fear is not entering Jannah as a Muslim. And putting that to the side, um, the akhirah, like put, you can't put that to the side, but moving on from that. If someone was to ask you, Jafar, what is your biggest fear on this world? What would it be? Because it's something I was thinking about a lot. I feel like, yeah. One, going back to what you were saying before. Yeah. About reaching certain goals. Obviously, I would say I'm optimistic to a certain degree, but that's more through experiences yeah. or life experiences that I've faced that make me think a bit more positively. So you never really have got those like lingering, like for someone who's turned 33. <laughs> when I I'm say joking. 26, by the way, uh, when I say only 26, I'm not that far off of him, by the way, just to let you guys know. <laughs> but that is a running joke from the last Sokotra that I'm not that old. But anyway. <laughs> Okay. The reason I say it is, first, I'll answer the first question because I feel like that's a bit easier that yeah. you just asked me now. I feel like it's difficult to put deed and religion to a side. And I have, I'm not scared of anything worldly. I don't buy new clothes. I don't, I don't really care for money other than providing and protecting and all of that stuff. But as, an, as you know, our religion isn't just a religion. It's your, it's your culture. It's your way of life, you know? Mm. So it's difficult to think of something that might scare you without thinking of religion. Because death and going into Jannah and all of these things is at the forefront of fear. But at the same time, if it was worldly, it would be family and, you know, God forbid, losing family, stuff like that. But the number one thing is, for me, is, is religion. And through trials and tribulations of just life, you learn that, you know, having tawakkal in Allah and doing your bit is is the easiest way to live. And I generally, mm. even this year, it could have been for personal matters, been a roller coaster. But because I'm praying and I'm trying my best, yeah, my 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 shaki or my fear or everything is is completely suppressed in my mind. And the reason I say, for example, you said, you know, if I hit certain milestones, absolutely, you do your part. But I'll give you an example. When I was young, I went to Egypt. I studied because I wanted to. But growing up, which I've said in a podcast before. Well, I might have said this many times, is, you know, your parents tell you, Karin. Yeah. So growing up, I thought, once I'd done my Arabic, and my parents wanted me to go Azhar and all of that good stuff, I thought, oh, I need to go back to London and start education, work, yeah, and yeah, rah, yeah. Rah, 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 But once I finished, I came back and I'd done my college, done my uni, finished everything. And when I finished and I looked around, and the people that I was looking at saying, are doing completely different things not putting them down or saying they were unsuccessful or not successful but when I, when I finished it was a race against me 
and me alone. And everyone has their time. I even tell young people, I do. I work now, obviously, as an engineer. And depending on your situation in life, your real life technically starts as soon as you work. Yeah. Why? Because responsibility is put on you. And I remember one of my good friends told me, which was, <laughs> which was a very good, which was very funny because it, it was it was effective immediately. I've realized this is, you're technically more broke before you've got a job. You're, you're richer when you don't have a job, i.e. you're working in these small retail jobs yeah. and, and you're not paying rent or you're not looked at as having these responsibilities. Why? Because the money you're getting, the only thing you're thinking about is let me get chicken chips and paying for football. Mm. Whereas when you work, you're nine to five. Responsibilities are helping your parents out, helping your family out. Come. So that's an illusion though, isn't it? You're restricting yourself. In, in terms choice. of what? Like when you don't have much to work with you're yeah. just restricting yourself sub- subconsciously so that's like more more of an illusion what, what do you mean if obviously when we basically didn't have much yeah. when we were working like the odd jobs and stuff like that mm-hmm. the reason why we didn't feel as poor mm-hmm. was because we couldn't afford to think big or spend big do you get it yeah, so it's almost like you're capping yourself so I still think even if when you earn money even though you have more because you have more disposable income, I just feel like you're always going to be in a better situa- like, situation. Like the the lower, the better hand will always be the better than the lower hand. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But obviously, with money, you make decisions, isn't it? Yeah. Without money, all you're thinking about your 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 life or your way of life is is completely set. I just got I just got money for ball, going to uni. You know what I mean? Mm. Just getting by, and you're more than happy with that because you can't dream big. How can you dream big of entrepreneurship if you don't have money? But as soon as you get money. And you're paying for stuff, that's when you can start dreaming. Okay. At least that's the way I think. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah. Although yeah. I do think entrepreneurs are the ones with the biggest dreams. Well, yeah. ultimately, I do, I, the way I look at it, I've never jumped on these these new things that come up. Not shading anyone that does it, but ACN, Forex, whatever you name it. Yeah, all that, these yeah. new things, that, that these stock markets, whatever it was, that every come. I never jumped on one of them. Why? Because it just didn't make sense to me. Bro, I've got, you know, I've got like a decent amount of a fan base that are into those kind of things please don't don't. Do no I'm not taking nothing away from <laughs> I'm not that. taking nothing away from people that do that they might be earning a lot more bread than I am and I'm more than happy for you that mm. is your life that is your choice and, but I think in sections I think yeah. I have this amount of money I'm this I'm here financially I'm here uh, work wise what can I do with that I would never maybe maybe that's where I am now and not I mean, one of the millionaires listening to this podcast. I'd, I, I would rather... Which if you guys are listening, sponsor us, please. Oh, but yeah. please. But, <laughs> you, know, you know, ultimately in life, you do take risks. You, yeah. know, you take risks. But I'm at a stage in life where I haven't earned enough money to, to risk what I can and be comfortable with what I have to take care of and provide. Because mm. I'm not going to risk what I, could, what I have to provide, if that makes sense. And that's why I've never jumped on any of these things. And going back to when I see someone young, 21 years old, working, hustling or bustling, I'm telling him, bro, why don't you go to Egypt? Why don't you study for, if, you, if they're not married, for example, or they have as much responsibilities? The reason why I don't, the reason why I believe that they can't do that nowadays is because I think as a young person, I don't think the average Somali guy doesn't know that obviously you're going basically into college and uni after a couple of years, what are you expected to do? Think about marriage and stuff like that. You can't really afford to do the Egypt and things like that if marriage is on the, on the horizon, which is why so many guys are marrying later than, well, by 27 and 28, 29, even 30s is the new normal, if that makes sense. I almost feel like once you're in your early 20s, there's so much, so many expectations to make something of yourself because you have things to fulfill, like setting a family and marriage. And because things are getting so expensive, you can't really 
afford to take a year out, take that gap year that people used to take, if that makes sense. You're almost on the back burner as soon as you sort of graduate. I I, I disagree, to be fair, because mm. if not, then when? Marriage, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't just come. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to be like, you know, one hit wonder, if it is amazing to you. But, you know, that takes time, getting to know someone, all of these sure. things. You're coming out of university a lot of these people coming out of university don't even get into the jobs that they want to anyway. Mm. They jump on SIA or they jump on whatever it may yeah. be. In order for you to go to Egypt or for you to study, you can work these SIA or warehouse jobs, stack piece for a couple of months and then go for a year. Cost of living isn't expensive. It's true. But when you're here and you're stuck in that cycle, just feeling bad for yourself or whatever it may be, in this world, you're racing with no one but yourself. You set goals for yourself and yourself alone. And Elahi sorts you out. If you are not meant to get married at 21, you will not get married. And if you do get married and it doesn't work out, Eli has planned that for you. And these are the things that just happen in life. You move on, you move forward. But ultimately you plan to do, because you don't want to be in your 30s or 31, 32. You think, okay, I'm having my first kid. I'm expecting a kid. You start thinking differently now. Okay, what, what dean am I going to teach this person? You're going to think, oh, I should have went to Egypt. Then now you're on the back burner. You're planning to take your family your wife, your kid to Egypt now to study, whether it's for Hijra or whether it's for a year or two. You'd rather make these risks when you have nothing to worry about and nothing yeah, is expected yeah, from you at a young yeah. age. Because then you turn, you get a bit older and you can make choices. I don't know what a lot of people, people that work, it depends on what field you are in, yeah, they're yeah. listening to. But when you get to work, you see a lot of people in their 30s, a lot of people, people are taking a year off of work, traveling the whole of Asia, so why are we expected to stress ourselves at a young age? Oh, you need to get into the nine to five. You need to live. You think in sections, as I said. When you're young, you think a certain way. You okay, take those risks. Okay, the problem I have with that statement is you basically said you're racing against yourself. But then now you're giving people a free pass to like kind of like live life a bit by basically comparing yourself to the person who's taking that gap year. My thing is that you are racing yourself, but I just don't think... But his time is different to your time. He could take a gap year yeah. and you could look for a job for one year and you both end up in the same place because he'd come back from Egypt with... But then that's just Aleph. There's just some things that you exactly. just can't fight off. And that's what I'm saying is Aleph. But if you fight, you can basically race on your own accord being happy with the fact that certain milestones are only going to be met in due time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permits that for you. Having said that, I feel like there's an element where you still have to look at the people around you. And I'm not saying scrolling through Instagram reels and looking at people who have like are in artificial situations or, you know, who are just flaunting stuff. I'm talking about the people as an example that you've graduated with. Okay, I'm 25. Okay, fair enough. Like for four years, I've not worked. But I'm seeing my best friend. He's moved up to two companies. Mm -hmm. You're seeing another friend who's got married. You're looking at your other friend who started a business. Mm -hmm. But I'm here at home. If you're not looking at your friends, you're going to be at home till you're 35. There has to always be an element where, and I'm not talking about you having envy for people. You're happy for your friends. You're happy for their accomplishments and your milestones. But you're thinking, I need that too. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. But just because your start might be worse than theirs, you could have a better end. It's true. Yeah, you know, so that's, you, true. that's true. So you never know what, where life's going to take you. Allah. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. You literally race with yourself. You're, you set your own goals and you live... I know brothers that I know brothers that are top radiographers, doctors that started in their late twenties, started college, done access course in their late twenties. Yeah. And now they're 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 doctors or top radiographers doing their thing in life. And no one's at that time when you look at this person, you're just gonna look at this guy as a radiographer. He just had ten years of nothingness. 
So everyone has their time. It's just that you put your foot forward yeah. and you try your best. Nothing guarantees you to have a job. And a lot of these people, they might start, oh, do you agree? How many people do you know that have done a degree in something and jumped on IT? Many people have done that. For, at least that I know. Me. <laughs> do you see what I mean? I didn't even know that. This is the first time I'm learning yeah. of that. But even if you're chasing it, you might not necessarily end up there. And there's another thing. It's like university. As Somalis, you grow up and your parents tell you you have to do um, uh, A-levels, which is a facade. You don't need to do A-levels. You could do B-tech and sit in the same class. I done access. I'd, I was in college for seven months and I was sitting down with people that done A-levels and, and, and B-tech. I, I don't even remember people from college. Sometimes I forget the college name that I went to. Like you guys had the easy way out, man. No, but why did that happen? I came back from Egypt when I was eight, 19 years old. Yeah. And what's the youngest age you could do access? At 19. So it was... Yeah. My mum told me, I wanted to come back when I was 18 and do BTEC for two years. Yeah. My mum told yeah. me, Ja'faro, Mr. TV, stay in Egypt, finish your full course. I was at level 10. There was three more levels left. Mm. I said, Hoyo, I want to come back. I don't want Fa'igi, quote-unquote, in Akaro. She yeah, said, no, stay finish what you want to do. So 10 years from now, when you forget Arabic, you have that certificate that you com fully completed it. Yeah. That was the best advice I've ever had from my mom in my life. As one thing, Birul Walide, listen to your mom. Because when I finished that, I'd done access one year, I'd done uni three years, I'd done a master's and I got a job straight away. There was no gap in between. Just because I took advice from my mom. So everything has its time. But when I came, I was 19, everyone's finishing college and I'm, I have nothing to show for it. But now in hindsight, when I look at my Arabic diploma and the books that I studied, I loved it and, and I have nothing, mm. I have nothing. And now when I see young people, i got a guy that's working with me. He's like four or five years younger than me. He's doing well. I told him, bro, he's telling me, oh, I, want, I might go to Somalia. I said, bro, go, go for a year. You know, if you're not married, if depending on your, you know, obviously your financial and your per personal situation, go to Somalia, bro. You love it. I never heard one person that come back from Somalia. They didn't like it. No, but ultimately, no. bro, when you're in your thirties and forties and you have four kids running around, and you don't know when's your next holiday or what to do next. These are those are the times we're gonna look back at. At least that's what I think. Nah, that's fair. The reason why I asked you, it feels like so long ago that I asked you about that question of what you fear, yeah. I think me and you look at maybe that aspect a lot differently, but you know I have a quote on my wallpaper, my screensaver, and I read it because it's just a reminder for me. Um it's by Richard Taylor and it's in Restoring Pride. And he says this here, and he says, Most people are in the most ordinary sense very limited. They pass their time, day after day, in idle, passive pursuits, just looking at things, whether it's games, television, or whatever, or they feel that I was talking mostly about nothing of significance, of comings and goings, of who's doing what, of the weather, of things forgotten almost as soon as they are mentioned. They have no aspirations for themselves beyond getting through another day, but doing more or less what they did yesterday. They walk across the stage of life, leaving everything about as it was when they entered, achieving nothing, aspiring to nothing, having never a profound or even original thought. This is what is common, usual, typical, and indeed normal. Relatively, few rise above such a plodding existence. And that's, that's my wallpaper. And that literally, that's F the fear. Fills like, up your whole like, screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta minimize that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just like leaving this world, I know you're fearing the akhira, you're fearing um, what is to come. And I'm not saying I don't fear that, that is my biggest fear. But leaving this world and you haven't done nothing, dying and 
Like people, people are not going to remember you. But to an extent, I think that's not true as well. In the grand scheme of things, everyone is an atom. They're insignificant. But you still need to make something of yourself. Like, wouldn't you want to live? Like, it's just you have one life, if that makes sense, one chance to kind of affect people around you, to just be a good person. Imagine living day by day and you had, like, nothing to show for it. Imagine being 70 or 80, may Allah grant us that life. Or may Allah grant us, more importantly, a life where we actually benefit people and ourselves. But imagine, like, you didn't affect one person, like, you didn't inspire one person. You wasn't even a good person. Of course, you're leaving this life and this life is a prison. But you still want to kind of live that, you want to leave that prison, having never made something of yourself, that kind of makes sense. And it's crazy, like, coming from someone who, again, you might think, I have 26, I have all the time on my side, but I don't know how long I live, if that makes sense. And time isn't on my side, time wasn't. I've always wanted to affect the community through three things, either wealth, knowledge, or resources. How I quantify the three, I don't know. But for me, I see it as, you know what? There's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's what he's given me, but then there's also what am I giving to my community, if that makes sense. But, and I feel like if I don't accomplish that, this life is a khasara for me. There was no point for me to have lived, if that kind of makes sense. Um, and obviously you said that you live kind of a different way. And obviously having different mindsets is not, there's nothing wrong about that. But um, That's I got, the reason you have a podcast in the first place, to listen to different mindsets. Which is true, yeah. And sometimes I feel like as humans, we don't internalise that we actually have one chance to live. Like, do you know how crazy that is? It's mm. just one shot, like one chance to make something of yourself to affect people around, leave a mark, like to instill a culture of like success, you know, optimism, faith. We should aspire to do things like that, you know, because once we leave this world, everyone says it, but you know, you're not coming back. And I know this dunya is the prison for the believer and stuff like that, but like some of the best people were held in prison, you know, wasn't there change and wasn't there good that came out. So if they didn't do that, then why don't we, why can't we find the beauty and the purpose behind this one massive prison that we call Earth. Everything that we want is on the other side of hard, is on the other side of pain, but those kind of things build you. And for me, if in the next couple of years, especially like the next five years, touching the 30s, if I stay idle, I think for me, that's it. Of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I'm not trying to contradict the plans and stuff like that, but it, there comes a certain moment in time where if you stay idle, you're going to be like that, the majority of the world in which you are living idle, where you are living day to day. Some of us live that. As an example, our nine to fives, oh, I can't wait till Friday. Indirectly, you are basically like passing those five days and you're living for two days. That's actually what you're saying. You're passing five, six, a lot of us are doing this actually internally. We're not like living in the moment. Like, do you know how crazy that is? Like mathematically, if you were to calculate how many days you've actually enjoyed, there's not many, few and far between. Yeah. So a lot of us are living this idle life and we don't know it. And like sometimes I feel like we need to like kind of like reflect on these things because time passes us by. How many people, how many parents like said, you know what? I remember when I was 26. I remember when I was your age. And now I'm in my 60s and my 70s. I think the worst thing would be to like actually like look back and think I have so much untapped potential. Mm. Like I have so many ideas, but I just didn't take that risk. As you said, I did not take that risk. I didn't make that jump. I stayed idle. Like the many people that live this world today, you know? 
I didn't mean it to be like a little therapy session. No, that's fine, man. You need some deep stuff. In <laughs> but yeah, um, I was just wanted to wrap up things by just mentioning like to the guys, like obviously the aim of this season, I've rolled out a bunch of episodes that delve into things like religion, entrepreneurship, you know, personal accountability, careers, you know, nutrition, like just trying to tackle the gaps which are not shed. It's proper light. You know, like I said, the same things with podcasts just get rinsed out and it gets rinsed. It's either things that have been rinsed out or it's things that just have no benefit or no qima or no value to the community, especially for somebody. I feel like we need just real conversations. The things that you try to do as like a host with Shaba and whatnot and all the other guys, mm. things that people didn't really want to shed light on. That's why I've tried to bring on as many people and as many guests. I think every single episode that I shed light on is going to have a guest, um, because I'm the only one. And that the main aim for me is to just inspire people when listening to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more, you know, to like, be good to your parents. Increasing your intelligence, increasing your literacy, like just the little things, you know, being more mindful, you know, being aware of how you spend your money as an example, you know, so many little things which we just take for granted. Think about how you are with your family. Think about the person that you want to be. And the main thing that I've always said for this is that I've always looked at podcasts as people that call to themselves, if that makes sense. It's a brand at the end of the day, which I can understand. I don't see Socotra as the be all and end all. And I don't think it should be. Yes, it is a media organization, but... Really and truly, I think Sokotra should be used as a bridge to connect people to the masjid, to connect people to ilm. We're going to talk about all the issues that surround the youth today, but I think the biggest one is actually they've lost their way. We've lost our way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't actually remember him as much. I shouldn't be calling to myself. And if I'm doing that, Sokotra will be a failure. I think people should be connected to places like Sunnah and places that, that actually help the youth. People need to be at the masjids. Do you know what I mean? People are going to listen to this and it might not be of any, any benefit, but what you're doing, the groundwork at places like Sunnah, you can see a real tangible benefit. Mm. I may never see it. Do you get it? So people, when they're speaking on the mic, the efforts is just fear of far. We have to like switch to something that is a lot more laborious, a lot more manual. And I hope that this mic is able to actually be a bridge for those. I may Allah make it possible, but mm. asking you as a former host, do you see that as being possible? Yeah. First of all, if you're listening to this podcast in the first place, yeah, you're of a certain mindset. And that mindset isn't far from, you know, maybe yourself or maybe me. Why? Because you're listening to opinions of people that you might believe are like-minded like you. Yeah. And that's the reason originally why I joined and hosted Socotra. Because there was a lot of other things being put out there, but not the things that really mattered. You know, yeah. your normal layman, so many Somalis are in so many different fields are actually benefiting us, having their voices and opinions. And, you know, I was a former host. And from this podcast, you can see that me and Fahad have difference of opinions. No one's wrong or no one's right. But it's just different. And just having those people on and getting a different insight onto different things mm. and ultimately connecting it back to Ilahi and collecting it back to communities. If someone studies best secluded by themselves, then... And, and is most religious when they do that, then by all means. But it's better when you're, you know, in a community, in yeah. and around good people. And, yeah. Quite a few people, they asked on Curious Care, they asked questions. So I thought, I'm going to just, I'm just going to run through a couple of them because they think I've just ignored them and I haven't. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to save it for the first uh, episode of the second season. Mm -hmm. So I'll just go through them. I think there might be a few for you. So I'll probably just run through them. But, um, me, people care about me, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna point it towards you. Okay, I don't think I can answer it, but yeah. So someone asked them. It was a while ago. They said, 
you guys should get a start Abdul Hakim Hassan on the podcast even though he's super low key but I think the conversations that would be spoken about would be beneficial and informative just a random request me personally I wouldn't have any issue I just don't think he's a podcast person not in the sense where he wouldn't be good on the podcast mm. he doesn't put himself out there do you get what I mean I've not really seen him that much out oh, there. on a podcast yeah on Abdul a podcast. Hakim I know him personally. Yeah. He's one of the most amazing brothers I've ever met. Very, very, very smart. Yeah. And he's of a mindset, which I wish a lot of people are of a mindset. For someone that, mashallah, has a lot of knowledge and is quite smart, he might maybe refrain from these things like podcasts or yeah. videos and stuff. Why? Because he believes what he says, which, you know, as a human being, you could say something wrong is captured put on the internet and it's difficult to take that back mm. if that makes sense so he has humility and maybe that's one of the reasons why he doesn't do podcasts I can ask him we'll see the reason why I've not reached out is because you know certain there's certain people that you know I've even asked people in the past and literally who have like a lofty position which I believe like in ilm mm-hmm. but they just won't choose to because either they feel like Podcasts won't bring any real benefit and I can understand that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But also, they just feel like there's always someone better than them. And when they come with that, I don't convince someone. Like once that is your belief and your mindset, it's I completely understand. Yeah. I completely understand. I'm not going to force you. Um, but yeah, but thanks for the recommendation. Um, Assalamu alaikum. This is probably a question that you can answer because this is a bit, not weird, but it's a bit tough. But I know this is the sister asking this question. Um, she said, Assalamu alaikum. I'm struggling to find a potential for marriage. I've tried all sorts of matchmaking sites and they just haven't been successful because there are some unserious candidates on there. Yeah, don't try matchmaking sites. Um, I've tried asking my family, but they don't know anyone looking, so they can't help. And I make dua all the time and pray that Allah brings someone who he knows is right for me. Oh, it wasn't she because of that. <laughs> it's such a tiring process and I don't know what to do. Do you have any advice? That's a, that's a tough... Well, that's, 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 that's that tough. That's very difficult. As, as a woman, because I know that they're kind of like... There yeah. are their struggles of marriage. The one thing I would say, though, is... I think one of the issues with... Like, the tiring process, I personally think, is the talking stage. I think the talking stage is something that has been a new invention. I don't think it should be as long as it is. And the thing is, when you're having talking stage, after talking stage, after talking stage, it does kind of take a toll to the point where you're like, let me just give up. I think that's one of the issues. I think matchmaking sites, people aren't serious. I've seen someone get married through a matchmaking site. You've seen someone? Yeah. I don't know a lot of people that would turn around and tell me they're on one. So Not Tinder, innit? No. Musmatch? Not Musmatch, one of the other ones, but that's free. Well, let's that's not do, the let's not do like free that. promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind this podcast, bro. Free I, promotion. I'm not sure. I think maybe it was one of those ones. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I marriage is very is a very intricate thing so yeah man I love it's very difficult I think to answer if that. you're I think the best thing is literally I think friends of friends are the best ones like, you know so yeah. many times you can have friends that are married and then their kind of spouses have people who are looking I think that's an avenue like where yeah. you basically just send your profile and the fact that you trust that person because that's literally your friend's spouse mm-hmm. you trust that they're with good people if that makes sense because every a friend is a mirror of them so I think that's a that's that's a route that's been implored. Other than that, there's these kind of like group chats or these telegram kind of chats where spouses or people put their profiles up, generic profiles, and then after that you get through to them. 
if they want to buy their wali, if it's a sister and vice versa. I think that that's kind of an avenue to go. But just I'll say be patient because when you look at the scope, and this is something that I'm going to explore with Ustad Abdurrahman Hassan, because I know a lot of people have been asking to delve into marriage a lot more, and we're going to explore this later on, inshallah. But it's become a lot difficult in recent years. We're seeing people get married, but a lot of people are struggling to hold on to their marriages, if that kind of makes sense. So that's something, um, one thing I wouldn't recommend is to just rush into one. Don't take sweet time, as Jafar has been telling me for, <laughs> for a while. But literally, like, just be careful. Um, someone's asked, what would be advice for someone with a porn addiction? This is going to be answered in a two-part series that I've done with an instructor and someone who's really knowledgeable in Australia. This isn't like a small matter and I don't want to answer it here. It's going to be answered and it's going to be spoken about in depth. I know a lot of people in London and in the UK, they've spoken about gangs and all these things and, you know, going away from the roads. Personally, in my opinion, I think there's big issues in that. I think porn is one of the biggest issues in recent years, especially within the last 10 years. Data backs that up as well. It's something that is not spoken about a lot. And the reason why I think is because a lot of people have not got into the depths of why, like they've not gone into the depths of how porn can actually affect people, not just religiously, but I'm talking about financially, mentally and emotionally. He will cover that. Um, it's going to be a two episode series, which is really, really informative. I know people talk about gangs and stuff like that, but for that to be a fitness, you have to go out on the roads, if that kind of makes sense. This stuff is on your phone. Within a few clicks, you're there. You're browsing through sites, which you, we shouldn't really browse, if that makes sense. So the fitna is just easier to just encapsulate us. Um, anyways, I'll answer that question on there. Um, someone says, have you got advice on how to deal with heartbreak? That is, again, that is a long-winded... <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's a long-winded um, question. I think I've answered that. Um, but you know what? I'll just I'll respond so that curious can actually answer it and I'll detail that I can see some personal questions I'll be honest with you I don't answer personal questions because it's a fitna um, when it comes to like my life and stuff like that I think Sokotra should just be spoken about Sokotra is there to speak about issues and things like that as a host I'm there to relay my personal life is not important um, I can see another question why do you think so many youngsters marry and have been failing again Saad Abdurrahman Hassan is going to answer that um, and the last question is, what are your thoughts on the way certain Islamic speakers and figureheads are seen and treated as celebrities? It is extremely weird behavior and we should be doing better. Me and you spoke about this, I think, a couple of days ago. And I think me and, a, me and someone else spoke about this, I think, a week ago. This is actually going to be an episode, like celebrity culture. It will be an episode with Ustad Abdurrahman Hassan as well. But... This is something that definitely I think needs to be spoken about because I feel like it's just gotten to a point where it's just like not only is it like embarrassing, but it's becoming a big, big problem. Not for just people themselves, but actually for the ustaz themselves. Haber is should be just for the ulama. And even so, these people at the end of the day, yes, they're scholars and yes, they're shriuch and even students of knowledge are students of knowledge and they have ilm. But at the end of the day, they're people, they're human beings. Do you get it? They're not aliens. So why you guys are gawking and why you guys are circling these guys and why are you guys doing it? I've seen the behavior of many people around and I don't think they're doing it for themselves. I don't think they actually have hate or admiration for these people. I think they just want people to know that they know this person, if that makes sense. I've never really understood 
why someone feels in need that when they're having a conversation with the sheikh, they're whipping out their phone and saying, oh, you know what? It's that I really want to benefit my people on Instagram. I don't really understand the... And I'm not trying to draw out people, but this happens. It's a regular thing. So if people are listening to this and they feel a certain type of way, the Jordans fit. So I'm really sorry about that. But something that needs to be spoken about because actually this shows the lack of your man, but also you'd expect people to be doing this with like these famous sort of figureheads, like these celebrities, which you shouldn't even do it, but and worshiping these kind of guys and just raising these guys to a level. And it actually affects these people as well. Because again, if you're treating someone like this and you're raising them to status, do they not think they'll be on that status eventually as well? Why do you think there's a reason why you shouldn't throw dust on people's faces? Why do you think people that are truly humble, they don't like praise and they just run away from people throwing dust on their faces? Because it affects them too. And we should really be wary about it. But yeah, I'm going to wrap this up because I thought this is a lot longer than I expected it to be. But I realised when you have a passion merchant for the first episode, it's always going to last longer than it actually is. But yeah, um, so yeah, Jaffer, you know, I used to start season one by letting guests sort of introduce themselves. But I thought, you know what, for season two, I'm going to do a little bit of a twist this time. Um, you've heard of Freshly Grounded's podcast, right? I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, um, so just a bit of a backdrop. I think it was during the first lockdown period where he released the game. Have you seen it? So it's like a set of cards with questions. Like deep questions I've seen. Yeah, before, and the aim was to basically play it with your loved ones to just strengthen ties during that period. Um, okay. It was either with a spouse, with it, it was with your parents, a family member, a friend. Mm-hmm. I'm basically going to end off every single episode by asking the guest a question because I've got the cards here. Okay, I hope it's not a heavy one. I don't know. I'm going to pull out a random card. Okay. And if it's nothing personal about our personal life, then personally, it's not an issue. Personally, personal. These are all personal, bro. That's the, that's the point. Okay, let's see. Let's leave, see what you pull out. Leave a part of your heart here. The question is, what do you know about yourself now that you didn't when you were younger? Oh, that's a good question, man. What do I know about myself now? That I didn't know when I was younger. Mm. Oh, I don't even know how to answer that one. Technically, you can't leave until you've answered the question. Oh, okay. Is that more like, what's the difference between my younger self and now? Nah, nah, something that you just knew about. Like, as an example, some people, they didn't realise that up until like, a later age in their life, like they're actually a lot more patient than they thought they was. Mm. What did I know about myself? I would I would say I I didn't think when I was younger I would be doing the community work and all of these other things growing up. But it made it makes sense because I was in that system of being in and around the community. So you didn't think you was gonna be like of that service? I was I didn't think I was gonna be on the other end of it. Yeah. Of calling people to the masjid and mm. doing um organizing lessons and Helping or even doing a podcast. Fair. Growing up a certain way or thinking a certain way, you don't think podcast. When I got brought the podcast idea, I said, no chance, me. Because I don't know about you, but people in North London like to keep to themselves and keep their lives yeah. to themselves. So, yeah, I, I'd say that. I'd say, yeah. Fair enough, man. Guys, I'm going to wrap this one up. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And wallahi, there's actually so much more to come. I actually cannot wait to roll out these episodes. A massive thanks to you, Jaffa, 
for always bringing the passion, the energy, you know, for taking the time out actually to come in this episode. It's, I don't know how, because I know you've got somewhere to be and the rain is just not favourable. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting and fruitful discussion. And yeah, I hope the listeners do enjoy this one. Again, I'm not going to apologise for basically taking the amount of time I needed to because I needed it. <laughs> and in due time, you probably will understand. And also, I feel like you need that break because if I was just if I was to just roll out the episodes, the quality would have decreased. And that's not what you guys want. Um, but yeah, guys, subscribe if you have Apple or Spotify. Please tune in when you can. You know, keep interacting with us as you guys have been doing. You know, reach out, spark a conversation. And yeah, it's a wrap. See you on the next episode. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله. <تصفيق>